Hey, it's Scott Petrak with another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. The Browns showed up, came together, and played a great game, probably their best game of the year, Sunday for a big 41-16 win in Cincinnati. Seems like they put the Odell Beckham Jr. drama behind them. Then, Tuesday morning, they agree to a four-year contract extension with right guard Wyatt Teller and have a huge game this week in Foxborough, Massachusetts against Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. So we have plenty to talk about. And here to join me, as always, is Dave Chodowski from the WKYC Morning News. Chud, how are you? Scott, I'm well. Thanks for having me on again. I got to tell you, what a weird week in the NFL, right? (laughs) All these underdogs winning and just, just performances like Buffalo and Dallas that were mystifying. The Browns, one of those underdogs, but uh, not by much. I think it was only two points. And, uh, you know, what a solid victory for them. And, you know, I think we everyone kind of wondered how they would come out on Sunday. Because, listen, we could predict all we want and have a feeling of how they would come out. But you don't truly know until you see it happen. And it's just unbelievable the difference that this team is with one guy not there. And, <laughs> listen, we've, we've talked about this guy over and over and over and I don't blame Odell Beckham Jr. but what I've seen with my own eyes over the last two years is they're just a better team without him and I can't necessarily tell you why other than he just doesn't fit for Baker Mayfield and and it it just seems clear yeah it's it really is something Chud and you know I don't want to spend all this time on too much time on Odell but we do have to get into it because last week we taped right before all hell broke loose um, yep. Yeah. And I fought you on that and I fought everybody on the Odell factor. And I still cannot get my head around exactly why it is, why they couldn't make it work. And now I understand that he freelances when he runs routes and maybe that makes it difficult for Baker to trust where he's going to be. Um, I still think there should have been a way to incorporate him more in the offense. Um, I'll, I'll stick to that. And I, you know, you could have thrown him straight go routes, right? He knows how to run the same route that the both routes that Donovan Peoples-Jones caught on Sunday. He knows how to run both those. We didn't see that enough from him. He can catch a six-yard hook. We didn't see enough of that. But the bottom line is, you're 100% right, is the offense works better without him. And maybe that's an indictment on everybody, Baker, Kevin Stefanski, the play caller, and Odell Beckham Jr., but it is clear Baker seems to play freer without Odell, whether or not he's worried about getting in the ball, whether he's worried about when he doesn't get in the ball, um, whatever psychological thing it is, um, he certainly seems to play freer and the offense runs smoother. Um, and, and, you know, in two weeks from now, if the offense goes in the tank, maybe we'll have a different discussion, but it feels like the sample size is big enough um, where, where that's the reality. So when they've got and play like they did Sunday, I think it gives you hope that, that three-week offensive slump where they scored 41 combined points on that homestand, that that's a thing of the past. And as long as Baker stays healthy with that left shoulder, that this offense should be able to kind of pick up where it was the second half of last season. Yeah, let's hope. And again, it's not just all Odell's fault. I agree with you. It's a combination of things, but this is the way I see it to put this to rest because you're right. We've talked enough about it. But there's just something about meshing in anything in life, whether it's a team, a business, a corporation. 
it's just sometimes there's an it factor there. Certain people work well with other people and some people don't. And I just feel that that was the case here with Baker and Odell. And, you know, for whatever reason, Baker is, and people have broke it down. You can go on Twitter and people analyze uh, Stefanski, Baker, uh, and, and sure. why it works and why it doesn't. We don't have to get into all that. But, but at the end of the day, and that's a cliche, at the end of the day, <laughs> it, it just, it is what it is. And I really believe, I, I am just a chemistry, drama-free guy, Scott. I just, you know, I, I think it's going to be exciting to see where they go from here. Now, that said, you're right. It, it, just because they did this on Sunday doesn't mean it's going to happen every Sunday. The schedule is tough. You know, they're not going to catch anyone by surprise. Not that the Bengals should have been surprised, but the point of the matter is there's still a long road to go. But huge win. It was a must win. They're back in business. And, you know, that win Sunday really gives them a shot to, you know, try to get to double-digit wins and, and make the playoffs. Yeah, there's no doubt. If it had gone the other way, if they had dropped to four and five, you know, I don't like to get too far ahead of myself. Um, but it's hard to dig out a four and five. Then you need a run where you go six and two, um, right, just to get to ten and seven, which might give you a chance to get in the playoffs, and a stacked AFC with a bunch of contenders. Um, the difference between four and five and five and four is huge. Um, the positive energy, the confidence that I believe was gained from Sunday in Cincinnati should help, should go a long way. The defense finally got the takeovers that we've talked about and the team has talked about needing to get. They finally showed up. The explosive plays. It, it felt like everything that the team and we as reporters and writers and podcast people had talked about, right? Well, the defense needs takeovers or takeaways. The offense needs explosive plays. It all came together when it needed to. Um, Denzel Ward starts with the 99-yard pick. Baker does the play action, 60-yarder to Donovan Peoples-Jones. And I know we've talked about this, Chud. I've been calling for that play all year. And I'm not saying that they hadn't called the play all year, but it hadn't shown up for whatever reason. Maybe safeties were paying attention to the deep guy as opposed to coming under on the tight end. But the Bengals' safeties came under on, on David Njoku and it let down of people's Jones open deep. And we've seen that play a year ago, and we had not seen it this year. Um, and then Nick Chubb gets his 70-yarder, right, which you can't count on every week, but when it shows up, all of a sudden, again, it changes the game. So there was so much to like about that performance, and, and I also think it points to the chance that it can they can build on this. You can build off the takeaways, right? You got some confidence. They always say they come in bunches. Now, there's some luck involved, but I like the mindset. I like the aggressive mindset by the defense and by the offense, and I think that's what the Browns will need moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you get Chubb with 137 yards rushing and the touchdowns and that identity that we've talked about, that that's how it's got to be, and then the defense comes up big, and then Baker Mayfield's more dangerous because he can play off that. You, I just don't think they're built because, again, you know where I stand on Baker Mayfield. Right. I'm still in the middle, right? I, I feel like he's way better than anything we've had over the past few decades, and he gives you a chance to win, but he's still not that elite quarterback. But if you do those other things, he he's going to get it done, and that's exactly what happens. So it's that identity on offense that I love seeing. I, I thought, you know, let's go back. Listen, neither of us 
thought the Browns, we both thought this game could go either way, but no one thought that they would win 41 to 16. No one thought that they would blow them out. But what I did think was that Stefanski would come in with a good game plan. I trusted him and I had a feeling this defense was going to show up. I don't know why I, other than it was a gut feeling because that Bengals offense is so good, but I kept telling myself, the only way they can win this game is if they somehow shut down that offense. Yeah, well, that was a great feeling because that's what they did. And just watching the Bengals, I would not have, obviously, have counted on it. I mean, I thought the Bengals would put up points. To me, it was a question of can the Browns score enough points to keep up with Cincinnati, and that's not how it turned out. Now, obviously, Cincinnati marches down the field on its first two possessions, right? You get the 99-yard pick by Denzel, then you get the Bengals tied up at seven with the touchdown. But – after that, the defense played really well. We saw the corners play like you need the corners to play. And why you yeah. why you draft Denzel Ward number four, why you draft Greg Newsom the second number 26, you sign Troy Hill to a free agent contract to play like those guys played on Sunday. They got in Jamar Chase's jersey and were all over him and affected his game where he drops a pass or two, you know, depending on how you, if you view it as a drop or not in a catch, but, or, you know, a defensive play, but the ball in the end zone, he got his hands on, there was a go route. He got his hands on and couldn't get and couldn't haul in after the Browns had been physical with him early, including the forced fumble by safety, John Johnson, the third Tyler Boyd has 2000 yard seasons catches a ton of balls for Cincinnati. And I'm in the press box going, is he in the, in the game? And he wanted to play in like 75% of the snaps and had one target, I think, one catch for 11 yards. And he lines up in the slot. That's a lot of Troy Hill, who everybody was talking about his two sacks, which are great. But he also had a big role in shutting down Tyler Boyd. And I feel bad. I sat down with Troy Hill a week ago to do an interview because I knew that he would have a huge role in this game because the Bengals go with three wide receivers all the time where he was going to be on the field a bunch. And he was. Um, not 100% of the time. I thought maybe he'd even play 100%, but the Bengals did go with some double tight ends. But anyway, so I sat down with him to talk about his season and how he's not afraid to stick his nose in in the run game, which is really impressive, especially for a guy that's like 5'10", 185. Um, and I never had time to write it because all the Odell nonsense. They're not nonsense, but because uh, all the Odell stuff. So I'm going to have to get to it this week. Uh, but, I, you know, I felt bad because I talked to him uh, – specifically because I thought it was going to be such a key role and then goes out and plays his best game with the Browns. So I, I think it's, it's always encouraging when the guys you count on and the guys you went out and got to sp- fill specific roles and do the jobs like they did Sunday, show up and do it. And, and we saw that from that secondary. Good call on your part to, uh, you know, get the interview and know that that was going to be a factor. That's too bad. The, uh, that's the problem is you always got to, not you, but the, the world, right? We always right. have to concentrate on the drama and, and blah, blah, blah. But that's good to know. I, I think people will appreciate reading that article. And uh, yeah, it's amazing. I, you know, anyone who plays fantasy football knows how amazing Chase has been. Right. That's incredible that they were able to, you know, you know, knock those guys down and just not let them destroy the defense. Yeah. And part of that, you know, they got good pressure. Miles Garrett had a sack and a half. He had one taken away by a, uh, and offside, and you know, talk about when things go your way. Malik McDowell either jumps off sides or lines up off sides on third down on the first Bengals possession. Miles gets a sack, so that gets wiped out, and everybody and 
you know, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, they're giving him a chance to score a touchdown here. They would have kicked a field goal. And instead, Denzel gets an interception to pick six on the next play, right? You need those kind of breaks to go your way, even though, obviously, he should not be lined up offside. Um, but it winds up being a huge break that goes the Browns' way. And I think when you're south of the Browns are, and you know how it is in this league, Chad, a lot comes down to injuries and luck. And does a ball bounce your way? Do you get the right call? And I, I think in the Browns' four-and-four four start, a lot of things did not go their way. And finally, um, something went their way early. Yeah, I remember, yeah, we've talked about that in early games. You, you said, you go, if these three things don't happen, they win a game, you know? And I would yeah. say, well, those three things did happen. But you're right. that You know, it is funny how when things do go your way. Garrett, now, what does he have, 12 sacks? I mean, 12. you know, where do you put him? Where do you – is that right, 12, right? Yeah. Where, where do you put him right now in MVP type category? Is he in the discussion? I mean, how, how big of a deal is he on that defense? Yeah. I mean, I think he's a leading guy for defensive player of the year. Um, I don't know how many TJ Watt wound up with last night for the Steelers. Uh, but, uh, you know, Miles is dominating. He's getting held every week, which we can argue whether or not how many of those should be called or that's just part of it. And, you know, I think just because you see a still shot, uh, you know, photo on Twitter with, a couple guys on him that probably means he got held. I don't know. You need to see it live action. You need to see if the quarterbacks, you know, is gotten rid of the ball or whatnot, but there's no doubt that he's getting a ton of attention from the other D from the other team, the offense. Um, he's getting held and he's still finding a way to get sacks and change games. And I, you know, last week, and this got lost in the shuffle too. I wrote it, but it got lost in the shuffle probably. Uh, he tweeted out like last Monday. So the day after the Steelers lost, Great isn't good enough anymore, blah, blah. I need to do more to help my team or something along those lines. So we talked to him on Fridays. And I said, Miles, you know, he gets all these Odell questions. And finally I said, Miles, what, you know, you tweeted that. What comes after great? If great's not good enough, he's like legendary. And I said, okay, <laughs> which is a great line. Um, but his point is, on top of the sacks, he needs strip sacks. He needs forced fumbles. He needs to score a touchdown, however that is, right? Um, so I, I do think even how as great as he's playing and he's the favorite to win defensive player of the year, he believes there's another level he can get to. And if he gets to that level, then you can see the Browns really take off because that, you know, it's, if the defense gets turnovers and can score like Denzel did, but if he can do that or you set up your offense in great position, that's the kind of thing that can really change the, how it's the trajectory of a season. And I think he's determined to do that. Now it must be said, Miles has gotten off to great starts before, right? He had 10 sacks in 10 games before the Mason Rudolph incident. He was flying last year and then he gets COVID and misses a couple games and isn't the same. And he acknowledges, I talked to him before the season and he acknowledged he's got to have a complete season. That's the key for him. And if he does, then I, I he's the favorite to win defensive player of the year. And this team has a chance to go where it wants to go. You brought up the Steelers game, and that quickly made me think of Ben Roethlisberger and his dominance over the Browns. How cool is it to be on the other side of the fence yeah. with Baker now dominating the Bengals? Like, that's yeah. another thing to think about when these two teams get together. Baker's kind of got their number. Yeah, I think he's 6-1. Six 6-1, and, one. Six and yeah, one, I think. Yes, yeah. against Cincinnati. Yeah, and, and he's, the, the numbers are huge. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it is it's something to keep an eye on, Judd, because when it happens to you, right, 
or the team you cover, it's, oh, my gosh, right? We can't beat this guy. This guy has our number. When it's the other way, it's almost like, oh, you know, it, it, yeah, it probably won't keep happening or, you know, things are leaving out. But they don't always even out. Big Ben, the Browns never beat Big Ben. So there's nothing that says Baker can't get on that type of run versus Cincinnati. Now, it's going to be hard to do with Joe Burrow because I, I know he didn't have his best game Sunday. But I'm telling you, Chud, you sit in that press box, and I'm sure it shows up on TV too, but he makes good throw after good throw and great throw after great throw where the ball is exactly where it's supposed to be. And we're talking on deep throws, balls down the field, tough outs, tough go routes. Um, I've just been really impressed with him. And, you know, if you're in this AFC North, right, and you have Lamar Jackson and you have Joe Burrow, um, you know, Baker Mayfield's going to have to play at a high level to consistently beat these guys. Oh, no question about that. One negative with this team right now is penalties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think they, they had 10, they had 10 on Sunday and that didn't even include yep. one. They had a roughing the passer on Malik McDowell that was declined because there was another penalty that the Bengals accepted. They're third in the league, at least going into Monday night. We're third in the league in number of penalties. I want to say 64 in led the league with penalty yards at 602. And Stefanski's really frustrated about that. He says it can't keep happening. That's how you lose games. Um, you know, he had another quote, you know, we can't be who we want to be if we do that, or it'll come back and bite us. If we keep doing that, it, it, it'll come back and bite us. And he's right. And it's interesting. You know, they're so smart, right? The coaching staff and the organization. Then I, I'm not sure why this has been a problem. You know, why the lack of discipline? Now, the smart part doesn't account for a guy getting in a fight on the sideline like Jordan Elliott, right? Or Jordan Elliott, again, grabbed the face mask. I mean, those are two big 15-yard penalties that Elliott got. And, yeah, I mean, yes, he needs to be smarter on the sideline. But I think what bothers Stefanski more is the consistent false starts when you have a legal formation, when you line up in the neutral zone. Those things, the pre-snap penalties, like he likes to refer to them, um, those kill a coach because that's what you work on all week, not doing. So, yeah, it, it does It does make you wonder with Stefanski that, that that just would be something you think would never even be an issue. Yeah, and, I, and I, you're right. And I'm not sure. And maybe I'll need to follow up with him because he talked about it a little bit yesterday. But – why he thinks they're happy, right? I mean, is it, it could be as simple as lack of concentration, but if that's the case, then you need to do something different in practice, right? And maybe he's tried and it hasn't worked yet. Um, and, and I'm not suggesting this, but that's when you see some coaches go to the, we're going to run laps, right? We're going to, I'm going to take you out of the game and, or take you out of the practice, right? If you make a dumb penalty. And the fact is he did that to guys in training camp where if there was a false start by alignment, he would take them out of the next play or two or, you know, the finish the series, he'd put their back up in. So, you know, I don't know. I'd have to see a study how much that works or not. But I know that when penalties reach a certain point, um, that's kind of where some coaches go. They feel like they have no choice but to do something kind of drastic. Where are we at on the injury front? Um, nothing too bad. You know, Conklin went on IR on – the right tackle, Jack Conklin, went on IR Saturday. 
he'll miss at least two more games. When it initially happened, I was told he'll miss a few games. So to me, that means three or four. <clears throat> so, you know, you miss, you automatically miss three on IR. So he'll be out a couple more. Blake Hans is the right tackle now. Obviously, the Browns had success with him in there, ran it well. Um, but there's a, there's a big drop off, at least at this point. And it's a tough spot for Hans to be in. First of all, he played mostly left tackle at college at Northwest in college at Northwestern. Then he goes to the NFL and he concentrates on playing inside guard and center. Like NFL scouts thought he was going to be a guard comes to the Browns at the end of last season, fills in, everybody knows that, Hey, a guy named Blake story. Um, this year in training camp, he was working inside. And when JC Treader got hurt one day, I remember seeing him go into play center. Uh, he spent most of his time, if not all of his time at guard. Then the season starts. Chris Hubbard, your backup tackle, gets lost, is hurt, tricep, triceps lost for the season. Jedrick Wills misses time at left tackle. Conklin misses time at right tackle. Enhanced is better right now than rookie James Hudson the third. So Hans gets a shot at tackle and probably isn't meant to play that in the NFL. And now he's got to go to the right side, which, you know, his college, he played left side. So there's a difference there. Um, so he's fighting through this. And playing okay, but you can go, you can see, and I haven't even rewatched the game in its entirety yet, Chud. But on that Chubb touchdown run, Hans whiffs, and Larry Hogan Joby comes down the line and has a shot to tackle Chud, Chubb in the backfield. And Chubb kind of walks through the tackle, right? He grabs, he reaches for his foot, and Chubb gets away from him. I mean, that's how a 70 yard touchdown turns into a two yard gain because your right tackle can't close off the backside, right? And then if you watch, even on the Donald Peoples-Jones 26-yarder down the sideline, the defensive end runs around Hans and hits Baker, but Baker got rid of it early enough. And I saw another play like that. So probably, there'll be matchups where they have to help Hans, um, and then they need Jack Conklin back because, you know, he's an all-pro and he's so much better. Um, other injuries, Kareem Hunt and JOK are eligible to come off IR this week. When they went on IR, it felt like they would miss at least four games, so I don't expect them to be back this week, but it's something to keep an eye on. Wednesday, Stefanski said he'd have a better update. Greedy Williams, it's it's scary, if that's the right word, concerning that he left the game in the first quarter with the right shoulder injury. The right shoulder is what kept him out of all of 2020, the season. Um, Stefanski called him day-to-day, which is a good sign said he's going to, you know, he's fighting through it, that, you know, everything's connected in there. It doesn't sound like it's exactly the same nerve damage as a year ago. Uh, But that'll be something to keep an eye on because he's been important as that third corner um, all season long. And I think that's about attack. McKinley's dealing with the groin day to day, you know, maybe sit him out one more game, but you know, nothing too concerning right now, especially coming out of that Bengals game. No new thing besides greedy shoulder in Cincinnati. So looking ahead, the, the schedule, we talked about it last week. It's not easy. You know, there's not many gimmies on here. Not that in the NFL, there are any gimmies anyway, but uh, you know, you got the lions. Uh, so you got the, at the Patriots lions at the Ravens by home to the Ravens, home to the Raiders at green Bay at Pittsburgh, home to Cincinnati. Do you, how do you feel about this schedule moving forward? And now that Odell is gone, do you foresee this offense 
continuing off of what they did this past Sunday? Um, yeah, the schedule's hard. And, and I think since, or Cincinnati, New England is a huge game Sunday. And we'll give our predictions in a little bit. But that when you look at the whole schedule and you say, okay, what are the easiest games? Um, and easy is a, you know, maybe <laughs> deceptive description. The line, obviously, the Lions is an easy game. Uh, you expect that the Browns to win that at home in two weeks. Vegas, the Las Vegas Raiders game, they're up and down. They're dealing with so much stuff. Um, I'm not saying it's an easy game, but it qualifies on this list. And so do the Patriots. And the Patriots are five and four, and I think they've won three out of the last four, or four out of the last five. I, I think those are the easiest of the games. And those last two I mentioned, the Raiders and the Patriots, aren't easy, right? But that just shows you how hard Green Bay, Baltimore twice, at Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati are. So it's a long way to say they need to win in New England. They need to beat the Lions. And all of a sudden you're at seven and four and you'll love where you are, right? I mean, that could be atop the division. It would certainly be a wild card spot. But then you finish with the gauntlet of right, Baltimore, Baltimore, Raiders, Packers, Steelers, Bengals. So um, it gets really hard. It puts more pressure on every game because you know that things aren't gonna lighten up and aren't gonna get easier. And that's why. Now, it's not a must win, you know, that they, if they lose Sunday and they fall to five and five and then they beat the Lions and they're six and five and they'll still be right in the thick of it. But I, I think it's a really important game Sunday because you need, is, you need to stockpile these wins. And you don't want – you'd feel so much better if you're the Browns. If you, if, and I know, you, obviously, would have, should have, could have. But the games that got away from them, right, the Chiefs game, the Chargers game, if they had had one or two more of those, and obviously they easily could have won those games, you just feel like Pittsburgh, right? The Pittsburgh loss. They easily could have won that game. If you have two of those and, you know, you're seven and two, you just feel like you're in such a different spot and you have margin for error. And that room for error has really shrunk with those losses that got away or the wins that got away. Well, can the offense continue on? I mean, do you, do, do you think that's, you know, that, that we're going to see this more and more? Because, you know, we yeah. have seen it at different times this year, even when Odell was there. Yeah, yeah, I, I do, Judd. I think the run game, I think the run, run game is always going to be there. Uh, you know, and Kareem Hunt will be back at some point, whether it's against the Lions or after that. And he'll add a bunch of juice, right? Not only in the run game, but in the pass game. That's big. I think Jarvis Landry will continue to get better coming off that knee injury. He still doesn't look 100% to me. You would hope the longer he's out there coming off that MCL sprain, the better he'll be. Um, I think Baker, I think Baker gets better with that. The longer he plays with that brace, as long as on that left shoulder, as long as there's not another incident. Um, now we're two weeks removed. He's been back. He's played full games. Um, Looks like he's getting more comfortable. He threw the deep ball with that left shoulder accurately, and that was a big question mark. Donovan Peoples-Jones is coming back off that groin injury and showed up against the Bengals. So, yeah, I, I think there's reason to believe the offense will continue to play well. Now, again, we talk about not having Odell and how that frees everybody up, but it also means guys have to make plays, and guys have to make plays downfield. I know Odell did not make a ton of those, but 
there was the threat of him being able to make those plays which affected defenses. So now Stefanski's got to be on top of his game as a play caller. Everybody has to, when they get the ball, when they get the chance, because guys aren't getting a ton of targets, you know, Baker's going to spread the ball out. So when you only get four targets, you got to make the most of those. And they did that against Cincinnati, but it'll be key to continue to do that. All right. You ready to break down the Patriots? Yeah. All right. Patriots are five and four, just like the Browns. Got the rookie quarterback, Mac Jones. They have won four out of five, as you mentioned. And if you really look at their game, Scott, I mean, they've been in a lot of tight games. They've never been really blown out. They've played some good teams, really tough. Uh, They've, you know, I think they lost to the Dolphins or something. They, you know, maybe they've lost a game or two they should have won, but they've won a couple of games. Maybe you thought they won it. They're coming off an impressive performance against Carolina, especially defensively. So, you know, and of course, we all know who their head coach is, and this is going to be a battle. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, we know what Bill Belichick does to opposing quarterbacks, right? And we're going to see him do all he can to stop Baker Mayfield or Nick Chubb, whatever, you know, whatever um, area he says, yes, we need to take away. That's what Bill Belichick has historically been great at. We'll take away the other team's strengths and make someone else beat us. And maybe that's trying to take away Nick Chubb. And he says, okay, Baker Mayfield, go, you know, figure out a way to beat me. And he'll also try to confuse Baker, right? If he does that, then you would think he would try to confuse Baker because that's what, um, Bill Belichick does, right? He tries to confuse young quarterbacks. And Baker Mayfield's still a relatively young quarterback. So it's a tough matchup all around. It's a tough matchup for Kevin Stefanski. Um, it's a tough defense. I mean, you know, rookie quarterback, and they're still winning games because of that defense, because of that secondary. Baker will have to be careful. They have playmakers in that secondary. J.C. Jackson, their corner, has five interceptions and return one for a touchdown. Um He's a player. He, I think he's a guy that I don't know a lot about, except every Sunday I see him showing up and people writing about how good he is and how he needs a big contract extension. So this will be a tough game. It'll be interesting to see what Belichick do, decides to do on defense. And if he does, you know, because I was listening to some XM radio, NFL serious XM radio on my drive home Monday, and they did a little segment on the Patriots and the, a little bit on the Browns matchup. Now, the Patriots know how to take away the zone, the wide zone scheme that the Browns run. So the counter is either you throw it a bunch or you go with the straight, some more simpler runs, you know, kind of power runs, counters right at the Patriots defense. And the Browns can do that, right? We talk, we talk about them as a wide zone team, but they're not all wide zone. With Bill Callahan as a line coach and in charge of the run game, they can do a lot of different things in the run game. So maybe the Browns run game will look a little bit different this week. Doesn't mean it won't be nearly, it doesn't mean it won't be effective because I think they have that versatility and flexibility. Um, and then on offense, you know, they don't have, the Patriots don't have a lot of guys that scare you. They just don't, you know, they spent a ton of money on tight ends in the off season. So the Browns have to be worried about that. They'll need good linebacker play. Rookie Mac Jones, um, you know, doesn't make, seems like he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's a young guy, but obviously he's winning games. Belichick trusted him more than he did Cam Newton when he picked him at the start of the season. Um, But it feels like, Judd, that this will be one of those games that's kind of closer to that Pittsburgh game, right, where we're talking the score is in the high teens, low 20s. 
Um, that's just my initial, you know, my initial thought of it. And I, I'd be surprised if it turned out any different. Uh, you know, Mac Jones, he's completing 68% of his passes, 2,100 yards, 10 touchdowns, seven picks. You know, I mean, those are solid numbers, you know, for a rookie, whatever, the fifth quarterback taken in the draft or whatever he was. So I expect a low-scoring defensive game, and I, I think it'll be key that the Browns don't turn it over because we know that the Patriots gonna re, are going to rely on that um, to help give them points. Quickly, because you mentioned how Belichick really shuts down one guy, and that was going to be one of my questions for you. Just quickly here, if you're yeah. Bill Belichick, and you, you know the Browns as well as anyone, who's the guy you shut down? Who yeah, would you pick? Yeah, I mean, I, I would go Chubb, and maybe it's too hard to shut down the Browns' run game. So if we're talking in the passing game, I could see Jarvis Landry. I could see Belichick go double team on Jarvis oh, yeah. Landry, right, and say, okay, make everybody else beat us. Make Peoples-Jones do it again. Make Anthony Schwartz do it. Rashard Higgins only played three snaps Sunday, and I think they were after Peoples-Jones – left to get evaluated for concussion. Uh, yeah. So, you know, does he show up? Does, does he play more? Is it Does it become a tight end game because Landry's taken out of the equation? I could certainly see Belichick focusing on, the, on Landry in the passing game. Yeah. And real quick, did you see what Mac Jones did to that Panthers defender the other day? I Which play? The ankle where he turned the guy's ankle? No, I missed that. You got to look this up, Chud, and I'm sure okay. it'll be a topic of conversation this week. I'm interested to ask Miles Garrett about it. Uh, there's a, a strip sack. I think Jones gets hit from, uh, from behind, fumbles. He's lying on the ground, and one of the Panthers gets up to go try to recover the fumble. Jones grabs his ankle. Like, no, first he trips him so he can't get away, grabs his ankle and twists it as he's on the ground, and the guy got hurt and had to leave the game. So it's a dirty play that I'd be stunned if he doesn't get fined for. And you just wonder what kind of impact that will have on him on Sunday and any kind of reputation. Cause it, I mean, I watched it a handful of times. It certainly looks like a dirty play from Mac Jones. I'll have to check that out. I did not see that. Uh, one thing you saw was the game. You were there in Cincinnati before we get to predictions real quick. Yeah. Cause now they're going on the road. Seemed like there was a lot of Browns fans there. And I've also heard that the Bengal fans have been showing up and, and it, it's been a much better scene down there. You know, what, what did you see? Yeah. You know, I figured, I mean, I've been down there plenty, you know, a ton of times and the Bengals have been bad enough that it's not a full stadium, right? Browns fans can have their way down there. A few times the Browns have been good. So I expected, but with the Bengals playing like they were, I expected it to be, you know, predominantly Bengals fans. And there were more Browns fans than I thought. And maybe they got their tickets early before the Bengals got off to their hot start, you know, the five and two start they had. But there were a ton of Browns fans, you know, chanting Baker. And as the guys ran off, there was a lot of noise. Is Baker and Greg Newsom and, you know, the guys, the kind of the stragglers who were on the field late ran off. So it, it was a good scene. And, and I don't know about the trip. To, the trip to New England is a tough one. Um, I don't know how many fans will make that trip. It's just logistically, it's not the easy trip to make. Um, but yeah. I think we'll see Browns fans show up um, on the road, and they have all year. We saw it in the Chargers game. We, we've seen it everywhere. This is a year where Browns fans are so excited that they're going to travel well all year long. No doubt, no doubt. All right, here we go. Are you ready for prediction time? I guess. <laughs> well, I'm, hey, playing. I'm playing with you, know, you, but I think you're I, first this week, Chud. You're coming off a win. You get to go first. I am, I am. And I, and I sent you a text on Sunday. 
because I, I wasn't sure after all the drama if either of us would change our minds, but we stuck with our picks from Tuesday. Uh, I think this is the second time that we've been different. I think we've, we've pretty much agreed most of the time. In Minnesota, I picked the Vikings, you picked the Browns, and then uh, it was the reverse this time. I got the Browns and you had the Bengals. So I think you're five and four and I'm six and three now. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, all right. Okay, all right. I'm going to go first. So, again, do I think the Browns could win this game? Yeah, I think they could. Two wins on the road in a row, though, and I just think Bill Belichick is going to make Baker make bake, <laughs> make Baker <laughs> have a rough like a rough go at it. You know, I'm not saying he's going to have a terrible game, but I just think that if I'm going Bill versus Baker, I'm going to pick Bill. I think the rookie will, will get it done enough on offense. Uh, I, I do think the Browns defense will play well. I think it, as you mentioned earlier, will be a defensive struggle in the aspect of, you know, it's not going to be in the thirties or forties. Uh, I, I just, and again, we always reserve the right to change our mind as the week goes on because we're, we're predicting on Tuesday, which is pretty early in the week to make sure. a prediction. I mean, we haven't seen practice all week. Things could happen. But as of now, I picked this to be a loss before the season. Nothing's really changed my mind. I'm going to go Patriots 23, Browns 20. Okay. I think I had this as a win before the season. Not that that means anything. Um, I also thought the Patriots would bounce back from last year. I just thought a Bill Belichick team is not going to be bad two years in a row, and I think that has played out. We saw all the money that the Patriots spent in free agency. They were committed to trying to win this year, and they're committed to do that even though they're starting a rookie quarterback. Having said that, I get your point about winning two on, a road, two on the road. I think the Browns are more talented than the Patriots, and I think their quarterback's better than the Patriots quarterback. And obviously that games aren't completely decided by that because I thought, I think Joe Burrow's probably better than Baker Mayfield. Um, but I, I like that. I think that's important to look at every week. And I think Baker's better than Mac Jones. Um, I don't think the, I think the Patriots are a slightly above average team and it's tough to win four in a row in this league. And they've won three in a row. So having said all that, I think we get a low scoring game. And I think the Browns figure out a way to get it done. Because I just think the Browns are too good a team to be five and five after 10 games. And obviously I could be wrong and anything can happen Sunday and they could lose. And maybe I should not even consider the first nine games or the five and four record when I'm predicting this, but I am. And I think the Browns are going to get to six and four and they're going to win 20 to 17. All right. So our scores are pretty similar within the point total. Yeah. Just obviously we're going with different teams. I, I hope you're right because, boy, I'll tell you, uh, everything feels much better now after this win against Cincinnati. You beat New England in New England, and all of a sudden things are really rolling for this team, right? Yeah, things can settle down, right? I mean, you get the Odell stuff behind you, and we'll find out probably today where Odell winds up, which will be interesting. We'll find out probably by 4 o'clock is when waivers shut if anybody doesn't claim him. Then he becomes a free agent, and you would think he would sign with somebody right away. Um, you know, maybe it's the Packers, maybe it's the Saints, maybe it's the Seahawks. Seahawks are getting a lot of publicity. Um, but yeah, I, I just I think things. If you start to win a couple in a row, you get to breathe easier. Things settle down. You feel like okay, this is how it was supposed to be. Um, and I just have a sense that that's how it's going to go. 
again, it's not going to be easy. Um, and the, the Browns, when I looked, were two and a half point underdogs. So, um, you know, it's, it's it'll be a mild upset if they win in New England. But I, I feel like though they're good enough and talented enough and well coached enough to get it done. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm seeing Patriots minus one on my uh, right. scores app here, but that maybe it shifted. It, yeah, it could it could be till two. I don't know that, yeah. and I'm sure it will change. So, all right, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, again, I hope you're right. And, uh, you know, we'll text and uh, tweet here this week. And if we need to change our minds, we will. Yep, yep. <laughs> cool. Thank you, Chad, for taking the time, as always. You can find oh, him hey, on- Scott, I got to interrupt you real quick. Yeah, what do you got, bud? If, if you tune in to go. Yeah. All right, on the morning, uh, yeah. you, you might notice something different here. Uh, I'm doing the No Shave November, Ooh. so I've never had a beard before. So Really? Uh, yeah. So well, you're just know. copying your uh, lookalike Ryan Day down there in Columbus. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Yeah, because I was looking at him. I'm like, I wonder, is that what I'd look like with a beard? <laughs> <laughs> it probably is. Yeah. If you don't, you, Chad, you got to be careful. It might come in gray. Mine's, mine's I, oh, you know, mine, is, mine is way too white, but I, but I keep it anyway. <laughs> yeah, 100%, 100% it's coming in gray. <laughs> That's funny. All right, well, uh, I'll, have to get, I'll have to set my alarm to get up and check that out. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Cool. Thank you, Dave Chodowski. And this has been another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. And you can read all my work at brownzone.com, sponsored by Fligners. Thanks a lot. And we'll talk to you next week.